All right, seeing it once you think is good, you got it? Summer Enrichment Camp, a great opportunity to participate in connecting in the lives of our uh, youngest people here in our community, and a great opportunity if you've never been involved in something like that. We would love to have you sign up. Um, really online is the best way to do that. Uh, so let us know if you ever struggle with that, and we'll get you hooked up. Okay? And thank you for the many of you who came to the Run Ride Walk yesterday. That was great. See some t-shirts around here. Really um, proud of the efforts in our community through that. So thank you for being a part of that. All right. Well, welcome to, uh, to GPC. I don't know if I introduce myself to those who may not know me. I'm Tim Rogers, lead pastor here. And again, happy Father's Day to, to everybody here this morning uh, who's in that category. Um, before I get into our final uh, message in this series this morning, I want to do a little advertisement for what's coming up in two weeks. Okay, the Next week, Pastor Kevin is going to be taking a, a message here for us. Looking forward to that. He's going to take us into the Old Testament with a story that you're not going to want to miss next week. And the week after that, I'm going to do a standalone message on a topic that um, is present. Present. That's a combination of present and pressing, by the way. Present. It is pressing and present in our world today. And it's one that I hope will be helpful for you as you think about engaging the culture in which we live. And that is a standalone message that I'm simply calling Immigration Nation. We're going to tackle this issue that we hear all around us today about the refugee crisis, immigration, and what in the world should the church have to say or what should Christians think about the context in which we now live. All right, And that's two Sundays from now, July 2nd our uh, Independence Day weekend that we celebrate here in this country. So we're going to take that time to talk about immigration nation for one week only. Okay, so that's coming up then. Fair enough? Woohoo! Was that an applause or a book that fell? I don't know, but anyway... That's what we're going to do in two weeks, but glad to have you here um, and want to kick off our, the start of our final message in this series, Relationship Goals, part four of four. We have been tracking um, with this idea that the great commandment of God is not only to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, but the second commandment is like unto it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And in fact, the two go together that you can't have one without the other. And we often in the church will talk about how to love God, but we don't always talk about how to love each other well. And so we want to do that in this series. We tracked with um, this guy named Paul, Apostle Paul, for three weeks now in how to really step into loving each other well and, and doing that. This morning, we're going to do a final series, a final message. It's a little bit um, focused, a little bit more on the relational experts in the room this morning. Or if you're listening online, online later, the relational experts listening online later. And that is, believe it or not, the men in the room. I have to say, right? The relational experts in the room, right? I mean, this is, is this not who we are, men? Yeah, look at that. We don't even know what to say because that's so true. So true. So true. Now, ladies, you may not know it, but we actually have a great um, language of communication that we use among each other as men that is just like killer on point with how we talk about relationships with one another. And it goes something simple like this. Like I might be talking to a guy friend of mine and I might say, hey, how's it going? Good. How you doing? All right. Right? How about that? Do I get an amen from the men? Preach it. Preach it. Absolutely. We're not an amen church all the time, but come on now. Isn't that good? Isn't that really good? Like, we've just communicated all of life's right there in that moment. You know what I'm saying? About eight words between the two of us. We've just nailed it down, right? 
Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So we're going to just talk about as men how we do that even better because we're already killing it. And then the conversation goes in from there where we talk about whatever we want to, whether it's sports, work, uh, family sometimes, um, how things are going around uh, the house, you know, business interests and that kind of thing, right? And that's kind of the way that works. Now, there's a reason why, there's a reason why men do this. A um, couple, couple reasons. One is we tend not to mind uh, when we talk about anything besides ourselves. Like, we don't mind talking about other people and, and other things, but talking about ourselves feels a little funny and feels a little out of place. So what else can we talk about? And also men, by the way, tend to have a general problem-solution orientation to the world. In other words, we like to talk about things that need solved or things that have been solved. So if there's a problem to solve, let's talk. If not, then why are we wasting our words, right? Like, and this is a, a problem in a marriage relationship sometimes, right? Like, no, I just want to talk, honey. Sure, let's fix it. No, I just want to talk. Sure, let's fix it. No, wait, listen, right? So problem, solution, orientation in life generally happens where we say, hey, we roll into, hey, here's the problem I'm solving. Like, I'm going on vacation this week, which is actually true for me and my family. So the problem I'm trying to solve is maybe a little bit more stress than I need, and we're looking forward to solving the problem of not enough family time together, so we go away, solving a problem. We also like to talk about, and we especially like to talk about, Things, solutions that we have created that are unique to us. See if you can relate to this, men. Um, and ladies, you might relate to this too. So if something is wrong with the car, let's say, you fix it by using duct tape at home, right? Rather than taking it to the shop. And you've come up with, men, right? We've come up with a solution that no one else has thought about, and it worked, right? Now what are you going to do? You're going to want to tell that story, right? right? So if I come up to you and say, hey, man, how you doing? I'm good, man. Let me tell you what I... I built a car with duct tape this week, all right? That's what I did this week. Like, wow, like we've never seen that before. You know what I'm saying? Like, we will share things that are unique to us that we have created solutions for. That's just how men are going to be wired and how we're going to work. That's just the way that it works for all of us. Now, with all that being said, with all that being said, um, with, with men, we tend to think that there's a lot of things about us that are unique, um, but there's really not that many things that are unique to us, believe it or not. Because here's, here's the thing. Um, there's a lot of roles that we have as men, but I've come to believe over the years that there's actually only one role, only one role that we have that is actually unique. And here's what I also think, that it's so important to men to do something unique that it's just wired into us. Like, we want to be good at something unique. For example, if you were to tell me, and if I were to talk to you, I said, hey, how you doing? I'm like, good, what are you doing this summer? And you tell me, you know what, my buddy did something awesome last summer, an extreme, and I'm going to go do the exact same thing this summer. You know what I would think? Like, no, you can't do that. You can't do the exact same thing. Like, you need to go one-up your buddy, right? Like, you can't take someone else's, like, man card and go do that, right, on your own thing. Like, you have to do something unique, right? And so this is really deeply wired into men. But I've come to believe over the years that there's really only one unique role for a man to play in this world. And here's why I want to pause on this this morning. Because if we spend our lives as men doing things that other people can do, 
I'm afraid that we're going to look back at the end of life and be like, I didn't focus on what was really only unique to me. And here's what we also know, and this is true for all of us, that what we spend time on today becomes our story for tomorrow, right? Like what we spend time on today becomes our story for tomorrow. This is true for all of us. But especially this morning, I want us as men to think about this. What we spend our time on today becomes our story for tomorrow. So if we want to be awesome at work, then give it all you got now. And it's going to be your story for tomorrow. If you want to be awesome in your hobbies and interests, do it now. And it's going to be your story for tomorrow. If you want to spend your time on your family, do it now. It's going to be your story for tomorrow. If you want to spend your time on church, do it now. Because whatever you spend your time on now is going to be your story for tomorrow. Here's what I've come to, come to believe. That the only unique role, the only unique role that I know of for a man to fill is the role of a father. that in fact, every other role that we have as men can be filled by somebody else. Someone else can do your job. Someone else can do my job. Someone else can do your hobby or interest. Someone else can play the instrument the way you can or better. Someone else can be involved in sports the way that you can be involved in. Somebody else, believe it or not, can even be your wife's husband if she gets tired of you. But nobody else ever will be able to be the father to your children, ever. Right? And so, if what we spend time on today becomes our story for tomorrow, and men are interested in doing unique things and solving unique problems and standing alone as doing things that are unique and special to us, I just want to tell you, I don't know of any other role more unique than being a dad. That being said, those of you who are not dads this morning, because at least half of us or more are not men in here, many of us are too young yet to be a dad. And so if you're sitting here and you're in high school, you're in junior high, you're in college, you're in uh, career, early career years, young adult years, you're like, dude, I knew it was Father's Day, Father's Day message should have slept in this morning. Let me give you a reason to listen this morning. Whether you're a young lady, young man, middle-aged man who maybe isn't a dad or tried to have children and don't have children, all right? Let me, let me just give you all a reason to listen. Number one, for men, no matter your age, I'm talking about not only being a dad but also having the heart of a father. I have coached boys and girls to some degree for Six, about six years, youth soccer, basketball. It's been amazing, it's been great, but I'm telling you that in those huddles, in those moments, in those practices, in those relationships, what I've done more of is coaching from the heart of a father than coaching from the heart of a coach. These boys, after five, six years, I hope know more about character formation than about how to line up on the soccer field or how to line up on the basketball court. Why? Because it comes from the heart of a father. It doesn't mean that you have to be a dad to do that. Some of you are in a Sunday school environment teaching, mentoring. You're having that heart of a father. That's what I'm talking about to you. If you're not a dad, I'm talking about that heart of a father here this morning. That is a unique role that you can fill as men. Young men, young men, listen. This time is worth your time for this reason. You do not all of a sudden become awesome at being a dad if your heart and character isn't developed from right now. 
Nothing magical happens when you have a kid. I mean, it kind of does. Like, it's amazing. Nothing magical happens in your character, right? It's not like all of a sudden you're like, oh, now I'm going to do it right. Having the heart of a father builds in you as your character grows. And so I want you, young man, I want you to have a vision for what your life could be uniquely. And I'm telling you, having the heart of a father, and I'll explain to you why in a minute, is an awesome vision for your life and a unique one. Young ladies, look for men like this. Let me help bring some clarity for you around what you should look like and what you should look for, excuse me, in young men if you're in the, the dating age. Okay? In the Garden of Eden, God gave Adam the commission to, uh, Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, but gave Adam especially this commission to, to work the ground and take care of it. About a year and a half ago, I did a series here called Engendered Species, and we talked there about the role of men uniquely. That men are wired, we believe by God, wired up to use their strength to serve those around them by ordering the world for their benefit. To use their strength to serve those around them by ordering the world for their benefit. And that men throughout generations have had two reactions to that, hopefully three. Two bad reactions. One is a passive reaction to that where men can punt on their responsibilities. Let mama take care of it all. Not be aggressive at all. Be passive. Sit back. No vision. No clarity. No hope. No confidence. Kicking the can down the road. Letting mama do all the work. I'm telling you, men like that exist and you know who they are. And I'm telling you, young ladies, don't go after men like that. That will likely not change unless something drastic happens for them. That passive reaction to the commission is one reaction. The other reaction is equally as dangerous, and that's the aggressive reaction to that. And that is your angry man, your impatient man, your man who can't build a team, who can't bring people around, can't bring consensus because he's angry and aggressive and using his strength in ungodly and unhealthy ways to control the world around him, not to serve those around him. I'm just telling you, young ladies, don't go after men like that either. That's a bad deal. Passive and then aggressive. And hitting it right down the middle of the fairway is the men who say, man, I've got strength. I've got something in me. I've got some passion in me. I want to do something with this. How can I use this strength to serve those around me by ordering the world according to their benefit? In other words, how can I help? How can I love my neighbor? How can I be a young man who's growing into this father's heart, into this man's heart of building this world around me according to the benefit of the people around me? So this is what I'm saying. If you're not a dad, I'm just telling you, this message is still for you this morning. Okay? So uniquely, uniquely to dads, the Apostle Paul is writing. And he writes in the book of Ephesians and also in Colossians. And this morning, I want to take you just for a moment into the book of Ephesians and let you see what he says to men. Now, if you don't know where the book of Ephesians is, no problemo. We'll help you get there. There's a Bible in the pew near you. If you don't own a Bible, we'd be glad to let you take that Bible home with you. But Ephesians chapter 6 is going to be in the right two-thirds of your Bible. Um, There's four little books kind of smashed together, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then Colossians. And I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to look at one verse there, and we'll, we'll tag it off, we'll jump off from there. But Ephesians chapter 6, the same guy, Paul, who was writing in the previous part of our series is writing here as well. And he's writing in a section of the scriptures that's talking to um, households, uh, uh, kind of how households, how homes should function. 
This is an actual term in German uh, called the Haustafel passages, believe it or not. This is a, this is a conduct um, uh, section where Paul's trying to help people understand how do I carry out my role as a Christian in the home, and what does it mean to be a Christian dad and a Christian child and a Christian mom? Like, what does that mean? So he kind of lays this out, and here's what he says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, and if you've been around the church before, this may sound familiar to you. If you haven't, then here we go. Let's get you introduced, but I still want to press into what some of this means for us in different ways. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, he says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Okay, really simple, straightforward verse. Okay, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Now, to, to begin, the first word, fathers. Paul is writing, and, and most scholars would believe this, that he's not writing only to dads, although clearly that is, but he's writing to the head of the household, in this case, which would be the fathers. The assumption underneath this is that mom is going to help. Okay? I just want to tell you, that's the assumption underneath this, that he doesn't actually say anything to moms here or what to do, but the assumption is, yep, dad, you want, I, want you to, I want to get your attention because I want this to come to you, so I have to send it out and address it to the right person, the head of the household, that this is what's going on here in this era, so we're going to send it to you, dads, fathers, here's what I want in your home. So the assumption is dad's going to take that leadership on that, but mom's going to help. Like that's just underneath here, okay? It's, it's not expressed in the text, but that's part of the social construct of the time that mom's going to help. And dad's like, we just know if it's not here, we're just going to say, please help us anyway. All right? Like, like we need your help, wives, to make this better in our home. So fathers, do not do not, this is so interesting, like, of all the things to say to dads, he, the first thing is a, a do not command, like do not exasperate your children. That's funny. Have you ever thought about that one? Like why, of all the things, why not just say fathers love your children or fathers like take care of your children, but the first thing is fathers do not exasperate your children. Now, a couple things of note. Number one, uh, it doesn't say anything about nieces and nephews. Just want to bring clarity around that, okay? Totally fine to exasperate nieces and nephews. I'm just kidding about that, okay? But fathers, don't exasperate your children. Why, why would he start there? Like, what, what is that about? He, he, Paul also writes in the book of Colossians, a little letter in the book of Colossians, um, about the same thing, and here's where we get clarity on it. I'm going to show it to you up here so you don't have to turn your Bible, but here's what he says in Colossians. Similar idea, but he, we understand the why in a moment. He says this, Fathers, don't embitter your children. Or, and here's the why, they will become discouraged. They will become discouraged. And here's the why. Our kids will become discouraged. Now, let me play this out in my own life for a minute. Uh, so can I, can I for a second, um, take off the pastor hat for a moment and just put on dad? And you're in my living room. We're just, I'm just talking to you now personally, very as personally as I know how to be, with a couple hundred people at one time. Number one, when I began to think about um, stepping into church ministry, uh, I, I'll tell you, and Jen and I, my wife Jen and I, had a conversation about what would this look like uh, for us, um, you know, and, and what are the, the potential uh, liabilities of it? And what are the, the, you know, the great opportunities that, that would be there as well? And I'll just be honest with you, one of the potential liabilities um, 
is that when you have children, it's not their fault that you chose to serve in the role that you chose to serve in, right? Like, I grew up as what they call an MK or a missionary kid, and so I grew up in the shadows of um, parents who are missionaries, and that means something different than those who don't have that background. It's not necessarily good or bad, it's just different. Like, I don't begrudge it, I'm not angry about that, it's just, all right, it's just a thing. So I knew that my kids, who are in the room here this morning, would also carry that weight of being a pastor's kid and would have to grow up in an environment where the spotlight can be turned up a little bit more on them. So can I just say to you personally, thank you for caring more about my kids' first names than their last names. Over the years, this church has been very gracious with my family. And that means a ton to me and Jen. That my kids have felt just like they're just their first names. But not necessarily the last. That means the world to me. So thank you for that. Having said that, I want to tell you, just again being very vulnerable, at home, at home, what Paul is writing about here, fathers, do not exasperate your children. I need you to know that there are times in my own home, right? And this is because my kids are in the room, I need to be honest with it especially. There are times in my own home where I have had to come up to my kids and say, listen, guys, I was, I was wrong. Like, I lost my temper. I got angry. I raised my voice. I yelled. I hit the countertop or whatever it was that I hit in that moment because of the anger, the frustration in the moment of just living life and things did not go right and things just weren't working right. And that anger like comes out at times. And when Paul writes this up here, he says, don't embitter your, your kids or they're going to become discouraged. What he's saying is those words, dads, weigh more than you realize. Those are heavy words in those moments. And I'm telling you, I don't want to be the reason why my kids lose creativity, vision, passion, joy, because I have been angry at home. Dads, do not, do not, do not embitter your children. Don't exasperate them. Our words weigh a ton on the shoulders and the hearts of our kids. And don't let our words be the things that discourage them. But, he says, but, instead, instead, and he gives the alternative plan, instead, bring them up or raise them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And here's the alternative plan. Bring them up or train them up simply means to cause a child to become an adult. Okay? Bring them up. And if I can reference an older version of the Bible, if I can reference the King James Version for a minute. In the King James Version, it will say, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And this is, I think, the heart of the matter for me. That these two... Um, commands, these two worlds, nurture and admonition, bring them up, train them up in the nurture and admonition are two incredibly great ways to think about how you can order the world for the benefit of the people around you, especially the little people in your life. Nurture or training is the positive side. What, what is it that, dads, we are building into our children that 
they will be able to know, here's who I am. Like, here is my identity. These are moments, dads, where we share with our children at bedtime, at the dinner table, and in the car when we're driving. Those are specific moments where you get to have conversation with your kids. And in those moments, your intentional conversation with your kids, and you're training and you're bringing nurture to your kids. Dads, you're telling your daughters, listen, you're a beautiful young lady made in the image of God. And I love you, care about you. Here's what I see happening in your life. Here's who I see you becoming. You're saying to your young boys, listen, you're a young man with courage and honesty and integrity and service made in the image of God. Like, this is who I see you becoming. Those words from dad weigh a ton as well. They create clarity around identity and give courage to young men and young women in this world to be confident in who they are because it came from the mouth of a dad or a father figure like a coach or a Sunday school teacher or a mentor. Those words weigh a ton. That is nurture. Bring them up in the nurture of the Lord. That is that part of the heart of dad that is required. The admonition, we almost don't need a reminder of what that is. That is, dads, <laughs> we have to hold the line. When things, when kids get out of line, we, we have to hold that line. We have to do it without blowing our top off, okay? Without getting super angry. And when we do, like I have, we've got to come back and apologize. But both need to be in play for, for a young man and a man to grow into with his father's heart. Nurture our, ch- our children. And then the admonition of, listen, here's the proper way to function in elementary school. Here's a proper way to function in junior high. And here's a proper way to function in high school and college and young adult years. Here's some ideas. Here's some nurturing. I want to build this into you. And when you go out and you blow across the line, I want to help challenge that and then hold the line so that there's some discipline so that in a loving way that you don't want to go past that line anymore. Like that's what dads can do. That's what the heart of a father can do. I think I shared the story with some of you before when I was coaching. I had one boy who I wanted to bring off the, uh, the field um, in a, a subbing pattern. And I said to him, I said, hey, time to come off the field. And he said, nope. I said, okay, you have it your way. No, I didn't say that at all. I'm like, no, it's time for you to come off the field. And he's like, no. I'm like, are we doing this? Okay, we're doing this. I, uh, listen, time to come off the field. And he said, no. And so I walked over to him, and of course I'm taller than him, so that helps with some authority. I said, listen, it's time to come off the field. And he stared at me. When do I come back on? And I said, when I tell you to come back on. He went off to the sign. I got another guy in, and I went over and I talked to him. I said, listen, when someone in charge tells you that you need to do something, you need to do that. I'm going to get you back in this game, but not with that kind of attitude. Are you going to be ready to play? And game on. And I'm going to tell you, and that young man... His attitude toward leadership changed. I never had that problem again. That's admonition that corrects. It doesn't let that go. But the nurture, the back end of, listen, this is who you're going to be. All right? And this is admonition in that place. Now, I only told you the story when it went well. There's a litany of times I already told you when I lose my, lose my cool at home and all that. So get, be under no illusion 
that somehow because I'm a pastor of a church, things are awesome in my fathering. Okay? Be under no illusion. So Paul finishes his sentence here, finishes it, and he says, train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Not just nurture and admonition of your identity, of who you are, but in other words, center this nurture and admonition around things of the Lord. That the kind of curriculum of our children can be, they will know God in a way that will be unique to them because you have built into them. Center it around the things of God, around the Word of God, around uh, the life of the church in some ways, that, that our children can know who God is because of our influence as dads and father figures in them. All right. Now, the picture of a dad is a picture of one who is a, a present man in the life of children around him. He's there, and he's nurturing. And he's admonishing, all with the idea of how can I help the people around me come to know the God of the universe in a loving, clear way. That's the heart of a father. Interestingly, this idea that Paul writes about has been, in my opinion, confirmed by just data and science. I stumbled upon a um, 16-year longitudinal study that was released by a group of researchers from the University of Regensburg in Germany in 2002. And the focus of this research was the uniqueness of the child and father relationship. And they followed various fathers and children throughout their lives. And here's what they said in conclusion. So this is, these are not Christian people. This is just, or non-Christian. This isn't about Christian or not Christian. This is just a thing. This is just data, okay? So their opinion, their conclusion after a 16-year study of a father-child relationship, and this is what they wrote. In conclusion, the father's formative influence was found in their functioning as a sensitive, supporting, and gently challenging companion during exploration out there. Let me interpret that for you just for a minute. The most healthy relationships that they found, based on their own criteria of defining those terms, was that a dad and a child who had the strongest of relationships the dad was sensitive, supporting, and gently challenging. That's the admonition part. Like, ah, you shouldn't do that. No, you can't go across that line. No. It's the sensitive, supporting, ad, uh, nurture. Sen- sensitive, supporting, and gently challenging companion during exploration out there. In other words, a companion, someone who is around who plays with his kids, who engages with the children in the community, who in the heart of a father gives with his strength to order the world for the benefit of the children and the next generation around him unto the Lord. Like This is, this is just research-based stuff that as our children explore and stumble into things that aren't right and good, like we help them say, nope, that's not good. But let me remind you of who you are. Here's your identity. Here's your care. So as I wrap this up, Let me come back to this for a minute. What will your story be tomorrow? Like, if there's only one unique role that as men we will hold in this life, and it's not the role of being awesome in business, it's not the role of making a bunch of money, because anybody can do that, truthfully. By the way, anybody, just about, can pastor this church and will take over after me. There will be a time in this life where I will no longer be the pastor of this church. There will be a time when you're no longer in the role in business that you are in. There will be a time when things will change in my life. But I will never be out of the role of a father until the day that I die. 
It is the only unique role that I know of. And I'm just telling you, I don't want to get to the end of my life and give up the attention on the only really unique thing that I can do in this life in order to pursue a bunch of things that anybody else could do. And so what's going to be your story tomorrow, dads, young men, young ladies, as you look for men like this? Don't give up on that vision and that dream. The nurturing, strong, intentional, loving heart of a father who cares about the next generation's health and goodness. So when Jesus says, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second is like unto it, to love your neighbor as yourself. To love the people around you as you love yourself. Gentlemen, let's love well. Let's relate well. Let's serve well and care well with the heart of a father for our children, and if you don't have children, for the children around you who see you nurture admonition in the Lord. What's going to be your story to tell tomorrow? Will you pray with me? Dear God, I thank you for the opportunity to be in your word this morning on this Father's Day, and I pray that you would continue to lift our vision toward the the good gift of what it means to be um, a godly father and to have the heart of a godly father in service to those around us who most need us. I pray that you would bring us back where we need a corrective, where we've been given too much time to work or too much time to our hobby or interest or, or too much time into just things that are on the periphery or additional things and losing some perspective on the value and the vision of how we're impacting the next generation. And that applies at every age and every stage of life. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us know what we need to increase or where we need to decrease. Help us know what we need to stop doing, or maybe things that we need to start doing. Give us courage to be called to something higher, to be called to something in a way deeper that moves us into your heart as a loving, caring Father for all people at all times to come to know you. And may we be, may we be, people who with energy and vision and clarity pursue the right things so that our story tomorrow can be about how God has called us to something higher, to something deeper, that people at all times and all places will come to know your Son, Jesus Christ. Give us courage to do what we know we need to do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.